0: Hey everybody, this is Ty Zrabbers with Grind, Sell, and Elevate, and this week I'm going to be doing a book review on Simon Sinek's new book, The Infinite Game. Hey everybody, so thanks for joining in. I'm excited to do this book review. If you don't know who Simon Sinek is, he's a well-known author in the leadership and personal development space. Um, He's written many other books on leadership. This one is being his most recent book. I decided to pick up um, being in a leadership position myself and see what tidbits that I could find of value. So what I'm going to do in this book review is cover the three chapters that I found to be the most beneficial for me and that I found to be the most interesting. But by no means am I going to give away the whole book. Um, The idea of doing the book reviews is to kind of intrigue you on uh, different things that I liked about the book. So you go read it yourself and and take away with a wealth of knowledge. into the three chapters I found to be the most beneficial. So chapter one is where I'm going to start. You know, really what chapter one covers is what is the difference between an infinite game and a finite game when it comes to business and leadership. So Simon does a great job throughout the entire book of giving you lots of real life examples of what he's talking about. So really the difference between an infinite game and a finite game when it comes to business and leadership, um, but more in particular to business on a whole, is he goes into great detail about how leadership within an organizational structure can either be to the demise of an organization or company, or if it is the right type of leadership, it can, and they're playing the right type of game, it can lead to long lasting profits and a really tremendous amount of longevity to the company while continuing to grow in the right way. So really in this chapter, what he talks about is the differences and he gives some analogies between Microsoft and Apple, but what he really drives home is if you're playing the infinite game, if you're playing the infinite game as an organization, what you're doing is you have a just cause and a just cause that everybody through the entire organization understands, and you've put the right type of leadership into place to so where there's no end game at business. You know, he talks about this a lot. Well, there's no winning in business where a lot of organization and companies get really focused on beating their competitors and winning. Well, there's other different types of companies where they're not so much focused on beating the competition. Sure, they want to get out and be competitive in the marketplace, but really that their, their mission statement and their just cause comes before profits versus the other way around where the profits become before their people and their customers and their cause. And when he really starts to explain that when you have that type of finite mindset where you're putting profits over everything, that is the beginning of the end of your company versus where you have a very infinite mindset where it's about servicing your employees, servicing your, your customers, contributing to the overall well-being of the global economy and you're serving a just cause that's how you sustain longevity uh, within a company and something that people can really buy into and that you can buy into yourself, right? And so what type of leadership does that take? and what type of companies have exemplified that type of leadership and the example he gave in the first chapter was Microsoft versus Apple where Apple had a very long-term vision that really you know Steve Jobs um, had that no one else really saw. He really went against the the, grain and salt as far as what other people thought was going to happen in the tech space. Now Microsoft kind of saw what Apple was doing and they wanted to be able to compete um, what he, the example he gives, I believe, is with the, the iPod MP3 player. Apple was kind of late on the game uh, when it came to the MP3 space, and Microsoft had already had, and what he describes, I, I don't remember Microsoft's product, but a more superior product. He goes into great detail about why Microsoft, to this day, has of the market share when it came to um, that iPod space where at one point when Apple entered, they had zero. I think at the end point of when the, the iPods kind of phased out because now it's all on our phones, but they controlled about 70% of the market share, even a, a bit more um, statistically in the book. And so how did they get there? How did that happen? How did a company like Apple dominate Microsoft, which is a great company, and it really came down to leadership and their vision and their mindset and how that trickled out through the entire ecosystem of the organizations. So I found that to be fascinating, and I just love the difference. I have never looked at business in that far of structure for versus a, a finite or infinite uh, type mindset as far as an overall kind of quote unquote game that they're playing and what one is more likely to sustain longevity. The second, so you guys know, obviously I have my own podcast, and I get asked a lot. You know, how do you make your podcast? How do you get started on that? And I will tell you, Anchor is the best source for making your podcast. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. The best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now you can match Anchor with great sponsors who will advertise your podcast for you. That means you can get paid. To do a podcast right away. So in fact, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing and reading this right now, this ad that you're listening to. Uh, So if you're interested in creating your own podcast and or looking how to monetize it, then Anchor is the best way to go. Check it out. The second chapter I want to talk to you about is chapter seven. And chapter seven is about trusting teams. And this really hit me hard being a leader of a a sales team right now with inside of a large uh, multi-billion dollar company that I work for. It's really important to start to assess and have trust on a team. And so he starts to give examples about lots of different organizations where they have people on teams that they don't trust. They don't trust their leaders. They don't believe in the organization versus other um, organizations and companies that do have trust in their leadership and how do they get there and how do they promote the type of trust and bond within a team, right? If, you, if you're if you happy to show up to work with the people the every day that you work with and you, you trust them and you feel like you're playing on a team, a winning team, and, and winning in the sense that like everybody's in it together to serve that just cause, to serve the um, customers that they're working towards... Then it promotes a lot of positivity and you create great morale. And one of the examples he gave was he was talking about having radical transparency and openness within the group. We're almost like a sharing circle. And the example he gave was about an an oil rig where this this gentleman was um, going to take over a huge operation on an offshore oil rig. And he had heard of a woman in Northern California that was kind of more woo-woo in his mind, kind of a roughneck. But he was open to hearing more about this person and how they were getting great results um, as far as team building. And being in an environment where his guys can be maimed or killed very easily working on the oil rig, he wanted to see how he could promote – better safety and better teamwork amongst his guys, his crew. So he brought this person in and this woman basically said, you have to have radical transparency and be very open and allow these guys to be vulnerable about their feelings, be vulnerable about what's going on in their lives. And we were talking to a roughneck, a guy who works on an oil rig. That's not something they're accustomed to or something that they do. Um, and so it was completely different. But he went ahead and he moved forward and believed in the process and trusted in the process. And what he found was the results went through the roof. Once the guys started opening up about what was going on in their lives and they were able to communicate with each other about you know, their children being sick or having money problems or going through a divorce, it started to really bond and cement the team. They didn't see each other just as coworkers. They started to see each other as friends and family and started to create this tight-knit unit. So he gives lots of examples of this, Uh, another one about a a police force and how to change the the culture within the police force. Uh, A a police chief took over um, a new new unit, excuse me, and the tools and tactics he used using the same type of application of having radical transparency, having team-building exercise, and what that did to the overall health and morale um, within his team, and then how that trickled down into their community, how the police started interacting differently with people on the streets within different types of communities and how the community started responding back differently to the police officers. And so, you know it branched out much larger than just what was happening within the side of the department. So one of the other things that this chapter talks about is you really have to assess who your team members are when you are a leader. When you are a leader, you have to, and this is something that I've had to do, when you take over a team or you come into a, a new team or a new, a new company, new organization, you have to assess you know, who, who's on your bus and who can stay on your bus and who wants to help you drive the bus forward? And the people that are going to be bad for morale, that don't want to be team players, they need to get off your bus. They need to go because unfortunately, if, you, if you, they're not going to be coachable and they don't want to be team players, all they're going to do is be negative and negative morale within the team environment. And that's something you can't have as a leader. You can't have that one person always constantly going against the grain when you're trying to create – a team that is serving a just cause and serving employees and really serving one another on a daily basis. And so this whole chapter about trusting your team, I think, is something that that every leader needs to pay attention to on every level, whether you're a you know C-level executive, a mid-level management. It's extremely important that your team feels a sense of unity and trust, and he does a great job giving examples of how you can start to build that in this chapter. And the last chapter I want to go over is Chapter Nine. And Chapter Nine is work. Worthy rival. And so I really like that. I did not know where he was going to go with this chapter, but it really starts off with you know, a worthy rival is somebody who you're competing against within the marketplace that exposes your weaknesses, right? You know, we all have weaknesses. I, I have weaknesses. You have weaknesses. Everybody has weaknesses. And a worthy rival exposes those. But instead of being fixated on, The fact that they may be beating you in the marketplace or exposing your weaknesses, he really goes into showing how that can be a good thing and having someone who's a worthy rival exposing your weaknesses, that they really help to promote you to get better. Right? If you have someone showing you where you've got a blind spot or a weakness, that's a beautiful thing. It's nothing to be insecure about, something to over-assess about, something to assess and go, okay, well, they've done a good job of showing me that I need to get better here. Now, how can I do that? He also talks about, too, even though they may expose some weaknesses, you have to understand what type of game they're playing. They may be playing your rival a finite game, and it might be about just winning this quarter as far as from a financial perspective, maybe taking market share in the next 12 months. But if you're in it with a just cause and you're doing the right things to your employees and for your employees and with your customers and for your customers, and you're playing an infinite game, then it doesn't matter it it doesn't really matter what the competition is doing because you're in it for the longevity the duration uh there's no there's no end right you're just serving your cause for as long as you possibly can and so i like that that he talks in terms of like there there is no winning the game there is no fourth quarter the buzzer goes off and the game is over that's not What happens in a business or that happens in a business It means your business has ended. And so I don't think people uh, always equate that to winning the game means the game is over. Or if you're playing an infinite game, the game never ends, right? So serving a worthy cause and serving your employees and and your your personnel, you don't get so concerned and wrapped up with what your competition is doing because it doesn't matter. All that matters is you play your game the way it needs to be played in the right way. So my overall takeaway from this book was extremely positive. I love the book. If you are someone within a leadership position, you need to read the book because the book really goes in and assesses, it's it's not about profits. It's not about results. Really what it comes down to, it's about the people that you serve and the people that you work with and looking at your just cause, whatever that is, your mission statement within the organization, that everybody, including yourself, has a clear understanding of what that cause is and how you're best serving it. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was just a great leadership book. I think that if if more companies apply that type of mindset that he promotes in this book, then we would have a much better ecosystem in the quality of the products, the happiness and the morale of our teams, and even the happiness and morale of our home lives. So many people take their work home with them, and when you work for a very toxic organization or you work in a toxic work culture, and you bring that home, it really spills over into your family life, which can spill into all other issues, right? We don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but working for a good company, one that promotes positivity, good morale, and you know is behind you, and you're working every day, eight hours a day for a good cause, makes all the difference in the world. So I think that everybody um, definitely needs to go pick up this book, read it, a couple hundred pages. You read it in a week and it will make all the difference in the world and it will uh, truly help to transform the way that you look at business uh, for the long run. So if you like the video, please give me two thumbs up or one thumb up. I guess there is no two. Just a thumb would be great. Um, If you haven't subscribed, please do subscribe. I put out videos weekly, uh, either on a book review or on sales techniques or tips, um, different ways to stay motivated and also different ways to optimize your life. Thanks so much for watching.